uh, Lord, that even though it's cold, God, you've made this day where in here where it's warm, Lord, that we can look to you, we can look to your word, Lord, for you to speak to us, to encourage us in our walk, our journey with you. Each of us is on a journey with you. And I pray, God, that you would encourage us that again, through the power of your Holy Spirit, you would speak. Um, Lord, you would speak to our hearts. Um, Lord, you would challenge us. You would convict us. You would encourage us. Um, and ultimately, Jesus, that you would be seen, that you would be glorified through everything that happens today. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. Um, so this week is the, uh, kind of the end of the little mini two-part series uh, that I did for the new year called First Things First, establishing divine priorities as we begin a new season in our lives. How many of uh, have success in your resolution so far? <laughs> no, no hands go up. So. so I was going to eat that cookie, but it was not looking at me. Got to get the cookies out of the house beforehand. My mom's motto was always, we're going to strip on Monday. That was a theme in our house, we're going strict on Monday. And then you make it Wednesday, and that becomes your theme, and we're going strict on Monday. That, isn't that funny how resolutions happen? We talked a little bit about that last week. People make resolutions, and they have this thought, you kind of, we're going to do this or that, we're going to you know, eat healthier, we're going to you know, get our finances in order. And you know, before it's too long, you feel overwhelmed because what happened, and again, I discussed this last week, is we, we, we see the mountain in front of us and you tend to feel very hopeless because you see the, the size of the mountain. We get our eyes focused on the wrong thing and we, we, we focus on what isn't right with us instead of focusing on the one who can make us right. And that's why I think just humanly speaking, it's not, again, it's not bad that we have resolutions over trying to, to do better or, or, or make improvements, but I'm telling you, we have everything to flow out of our relationship with, with Jesus Christ. He's the one that can change us, and so we focus on Him to transform us. And so today's sermon is faithful in the small things. Faithful in the small things. Last week, we looked at... Uh, the Jewish uh, New Year, Rosh Hashanah, and how that was tied. If you've ever read in the Bible, Rosh Hashanah or the Feast of Trumpets, everybody see that? Remember that? Last week we talked about those when they celebrated the two-day celebration. They would, as a part of the celebration, they would blow the shofar, the ram's horn, and each of those blasts meant something different as they would begin their year. And I went through those, and it's very interesting that everything in the Old Testament, when we read the Old Testament, um, you know, it's not that God was different. Um, it was just that Jesus had not come yet to fulfill everything that was going on. But the Old Testament is a neon sign that flashes towards Jesus. He fulfills all of it. That's why when, when they instituted the Passover, um, you know, the Passover when, when the children of Israel came out of Egypt and they had to sacrifice a sacrificial lamb and they would put the blood over the, you know, the doorpost and the, and, and, the, and the top of the doors so the angel of death would pass over them. And, and, and so the children of Israel did that. The angel of death would pass over them and they celebrated Passover. Well, later on, Jesus would be the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And that when we accept and receive his sacrifice that we can't save ourselves, then judgment passes over us. So Jesus fulfills the Passover. Isn't that awesome? 
And so when Rosh Hashanah and the Feast of Trumpets, even that Jesus fulfilled all that in those trumpet blasts, and if you want to hear that, you can go online or get a CD and listen to that last week. But, um, it's really, really cool how Jesus fulfills all of that. And how he speaks to us to establish our priorities in Christ. And that's the important thing, that we establish our priorities in Christ. It's the small things, faithful in the small things, the small things, small things make a huge difference. Continual daily acts of faithfulness and obedience to the Lord result in a life of transformation. This is where, when we've been talking about discipleship, but one of the emphases of our church this coming year and beyond is discipleship. We want people to grow in their relationship and their walk with the Lord daily. This daily, faithful, obedient relationship with the Lord day by day in the small things. So this New Year's is time to reset our priorities, but doing it with the right reasons, the right motivations, to live for and honor Jesus. The key passage again, this is from actually the one-year Bible, if you're tracking along, this is the, the, the part of the one-year Bible, it's only from the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says these words, he says, seek first his kingdom, and he's talking about the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. In other words, what we what we we have tended to do is we get that verse out of order. We tend to we want the all things to be given unto us without seeking God and His purposes in this kingdom. And He says there's a there's a right way and a wrong way to them. We seek God. He says all the other things take care of themselves. That's why the motivation is Christ first. Then He gives you strength to do what He's called you to do. And so that's kind of our New Year passage and the passage for last week. And this week is the key. But today we're going to get into, um, we're going to look at something else Jesus said as it pertains to our priorities. And I believe, again, that he wants to speak something through his word to our hearts as we move into the new year. You heard about the parable of the talents? We're going to look at that today. Everybody familiar with that? Jesus would give these parables. There was, there was several parables that he gave specifically on judgment. This is one of them. And it basically boils down to this. What are you doing with what you've been given? Because he, over and over in these, in these judgment parables, he, he says there are people that will come before him on that day and he will say, well done, good and faithful servant, right? And so we're going to look at the, we're not going to look at the whole parable. We're just going to look at a portion of it. But the question is, what are you doing with what you've been given. This parable of talents is this master, he had placed money in the possession of his servant, three servants, he gave one, five bags of silver, one, two, um, and one, one, and uh, and we're just going to look at the two that were faithful, um, it was kind of bad news for the one that was not faithful, but so he had he had given them uh, the, the, the bags of silver, he had gone away, he comes back. So Jesus is pointing, again, this idea of these given us life, He's given us a sphere of influence, He's saying be faithful to that which I've given you because I will return one day and you'll be held accountable for what you did with what you were given. So let's take a look at this part of this parable. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. So there's accountability. The man who had received five bags of gold, sorry, I said silver, but it was gold, got the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a, say it out loud, you've been faithful in what? 
a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man who had two bags of gold also came. Master said, you entrust me with two bags of gold. See, I gained two more. His master replied, well done. Did the faithful service you've been faithful with? You guys track with me again. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. You've been faithful in a few things, in small things. And so this parable is not about investing gold. If you, if you see it through that lens, that's not what it's about. It's, it's about making inter- eternal investments with what the Lord has given us. He's given us time. He's given us talent. He's given us money, yes, and resources. He's given us giving. He's given us deep friends and relationships. All of those are from His hand. He has placed us where we are on the earth at this time in history. It's not by accident that you are where you are with the people around you that you are, are, are with. It's the sovereign hand of God. And he is saying, what have you been doing? So this, this parable in Matthew 25, amongst other parables that Jesus would, would give, is what are you doing with what you've been Have you been faithful? So this is a judgment parable of giving an account. And that's what Jesus is saying. So to remember, the master was gone for a long time. So remember, Jesus went up, Acts 1, and he said, and, and the angel said, he will come again. And it's been a long time, but he is coming again. And this is proof positive that Jesus gave this parable that the master returns. And he is going to return. And we will stand before him. So he says, well done. You were faithful in small things. I will put you in charge of many things. So what are, what are the small things maybe that the Lord is speaking to us? Because a lot of times what we can do is get our eyes on that gigantic thing, that you know, the, the, the grand, the big, the awesome, what we would consider awesome, the thing that God wants me to do. And, um, you know, over and over, I, I, even, even as a pastor, when you're ministering to people and you go to camps or you go and you talk to people and people have that gnawing thing in them um, that follow Christ is they want to know what's God's will for my life? What, what does God want me to do? Why am I on the planet? What does God have for me? And a lot of times that can get translated into what huge public ministry does God want me to have? And, and, you know, and I've ministered to, 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 to a lot of, and it really happens among young people where you can say to them, God has a plan and purpose for your life, which is true for every human being. You're not here by accident. God has created us with a plan and a purpose. It's very easy, and I've done this before where, you know, and I've been guilty of it, where you're maybe ministering to someone, God has a plan and purpose, and you immediately they begin to think of, the crusades I'm going to preach at, or the, the books I'm going to write, and, and having this big impact with a lot of people. And, and God will call people to do that. I mean, just like, you know, there are pastors of small churches, pastors of large churches. There's, you know, Billy Graham, who is in his 90s now, who has ministered to countless millions. Football stadiums filled with people. But there's a specific calling for him to do that. And I think a lot of times what we can do is we begin to just see the grand without being faithful in the small things that God wants us to walk in. So the small things, those, those prayers that you pray when no one is around and God heard. A couple years ago, I was at uh, 
C3 conference in, in Dallas, and Mark Batterson, some of you guys have heard him, he's an author, and he's written about prayer. He's a pastor from uh, Washington, D.C. And he said something that was so profound that just stuck in my heart. He said, you know, there's no expiration date on your prayers. Isn't that cool? He said things that, he said, no, he said, what, 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 what happens is we, we put our timing, we put our spin on it, right? God, I'm asking for this, and the next day we go, God, where is it? Right? We, can, we tend to do that. I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of that as well. He said, you know, there's no expiration. He said, the prayer that you pray, God heard. And, and the fulfillment of that may not happen for some time. Yes, he could say no to the prayer because of, uh, ultimately everything's for his glory, but there's no expiration date on your prayers. And so that small thing, that, that prayer you pray, that, that, that person you've been praying for for years, that feels like that, that, may, that does God even hear the thing that you've been wrestling with God, God does do this. Those faithful prayers when no one was around God for the, that act of serving that you did. Maybe a small thing that maybe doesn't look that big in the economy of heaven is huge and God sees. That act of serving, that kindness that you gave someone when you could have just blown by them, but you were mindful. That's a small act of obedience where the Lord prompted you to do something, and you did it. That gift you gave. That not giving up when it was hard. And you were in a season of darkness, and you held on even though it was very difficult to see. That resisting to act like you did before. And it might just be the small thing that God sees that reading the word in the quietness of your own time where you didn't feel like it. That's why in the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus is talking about the prayers and giving you know, what you've done in secret, your father sees what you've done in secret. God's watching. He sees. And if you're raised like me, you know, you understand that God sees all the bad stuff, the bad thoughts, the mistakes, and he's but he just smack you, but he sees all things. He sees those things, and he sees the faithfulness of our heart. We encourage. An Old Testament story that speaks to this, I believe, is from the book of Zechariah. Again, this is a, um, if you read the prophets, the prophets of old, the, the, the common theme that stretches through the prophets was to call God's people back to himself. And Zechariah was no different. Um, this was during the time the temple was destroyed. God's people were in captivity. As the Rebel led the remnant, led a remnant. Who's one of the great names of Rebel? So looking for a name for your kid. So Rebel is a good one. Um, he led the remnant back in captivity to the land of Israel. There were there were other leaders. You know, Nehemiah was a leader. Ezra was the priest and leader. Um, and so there were different people that God used to lead people back in the remnant. So 18 years later, God spoke to him, empowering him to rebuild. And so this is a time in history once again that Israel had been disobedient. Their consequences. You know, remember God would say, don't, don't go your own way. Don't become your own God. It won't end well for you. 
and they kept on in, in persistent disobedience to God, and so um, God leads them to themselves, and they, again, they, they, they go off the cliff, they're in captivity, but now God is bringing them back because He loves His people, and He's you know, he's, he's bringing us rendered back. He, is, he, he loves redemption and reconciliation. And so we pick up the story of Zechariah, chapter 4, starting in verse 6. This is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel. And you've probably heard this, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's army. Nothing, not even a mighty mountain, will stand in Zerubbabel's way. It will become a level plain before him. And when Zerubbabel sets the final stone of the temple in place, the people will shout, May God bless it, may God bless it. Sometimes they say, Grace, grace. God's grace is on this. The reason why they shouted it, they, they saw that this was the hands of God, right? They had a part, but God, they saw that God did his part. Right? That, 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 that's, the, that's the encouraging thing is, if God, we, we have a part to play with the Lord, but we do our part in faithful obedience, but God is always faithful to do His part. If we step out and we obey Him, and they stop, grace, grace, may God bless it, may God bless it. We recognize it's not by might, it's not by our human might, it's not by our human power. We can't, the willpower enough to, you know, to, to even obey those resolutions. This is not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. It's God's spirit that gives us strength to do what He's called us to do. It's good stuff. Don't, don't, don't fall asleep on me. Verse 8, then another message came to me from the Lord. So Jeroboam is the one who laid the foundation of this temple. So he put the final stone in place, but he was also that he laid the foundation of the temple, and he will complete it. And read that. Read the next one with me. All together, go. Do not. Isn't that cool? Do not despise these small beginnings. For the Lord rejoices to see it, the work begin. Isn't that good? Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Don't despise the, the the small things that we think are insignificant. That prayer that you prayed, that act of obedience, that serving that you did, that gift that you gave. Do not despise what God can do with our acts of obedience, the small things. This word of the word of God says, "Revel not by might nor by power." God's speaking this, not by your might or power, but by my spirit. Not by might or power or the big things, right? Those demonstrative things. God could have done it like that. He, there were times He showed up in, in great power. Elijah at you know on the mountain of Carmel, remember, and, and, and uh, he put fire down the mountain. I mean, God, God can show up and do really powerful things. But in this sense, He's saying it's not by might, not by power, not by the big demonstrative things, but it's by the work of the Holy Spirit that no one gets credit except God. No one gets glory except Jesus. That's why when we allow, when we walk with the Lord faithfully. That the purpose of our lives is not someone saying, look how awesome you are, is look how awesome God is. That you would always say, I'm a walking miracle because of what Jesus has done. All glory goes to Him. That we don't draw people to ourselves. It's what David said, if not have, if it not had been for the Lord on my side, right, where would I be? It's the work of the Lord. 
No one gets glory but Him. Everything He does is not to make us look good, but to bring Him glory. Again, it's interesting that Elijah saw mighty power on, the, on Mount Carmel, saw the fire come down from heaven, consumed the altar. Remember, God showed up in a very powerful way. Then he immediately after this great victory, he goes into a time of depression. Jezebel's after him. I mean, there's all kinds of things that are turning against him, and he goes into a time of depression. And God speaks to him, so he has seen God's fire. And so there's this, the rest of the story is he's hiding away, and all of a sudden there's this fire that kind of comes, there's an earthquake, there's wind, there's all this big stuff, and then there's this still small voice, and the Lord speaks to him and says, I wasn't in the fire, I wasn't in the earthquake, I wasn't in this wind, but I was in this still small voice. That small thing, the nearness of God, the closeness of God. We try to see God in a massive big thing, and he's wanting to whisper to us, and he's saying, I want you to come near that's why it's a still small voice, but the word there is a whisper. We know God can speak very loudly. I mean, he can, he can shake the foundations of the earth with his voice. But the intention of a whisper is if I start whispering, what do you do? You have to get close. And that was his point. Even in the Old Testament, God was saying, Elijah, I, I want to say something to you, but you got to be close. You, you know, because Elijah has just seen the victory with the fire, so he's looking for the fire again. He's looking for the big earthquake. He's looking for the big demonstrative thing, and God is saying, I'm not going to do it that way again. Because we can't put God in a box, and we can't follow formulas. That's why Jesus healed different ways, and he ministered in different ways, because we're not going to put God in a box. And he says, come, Elijah, I want to speak to you and whisper to you, but you're going to have to get close because that's my intention is I want you close. And this idea of faithfully walking with the Lord is that He wants us close by the still small voice relationship. So again, to go back to this story, so Rebbeville sets the final stone in place and it was a great time of victory for God's people for the restoration, remember they in captivity. So they come and they, they lay the foundation foundation stone, graced upon his work, his work that God did. However, it had to begin somewhere. And it was an act of faithful obedience. So Riverbell's the one who laid the foundation, so he had to put down that first stone, right? Just like in the days of Nehemiah when they were rebuilding the wall, this is a, this is a similar time frame here, somebody had to put down the first stone. So he had to start. And he said, Zerubbabel laid the, the final stone, but he also laid the foundational stone. And if you understand in context, this would have been fearful. Are the enemies going to come rushing in because they were, the enemies of God were trying to intimidate them? Don't do it. If you remember Nehemiah, remember they're almost like talking trash to them. He said, you know, you guys are going to get this thing up and foxes are going to run across the top of the wall and it'll crumble down again upon you. You're never going to succeed in this. You're never, it's never going to work. And that's the, the voice of the enemy that tells us and speaks us. You're, you're never going to be able to do it. You're, you're always going to be stuck in that stand. You're always going to be in that rut. You're never going to get out. Don't even try it. 
Don't even lay that down. Don't, don't, don't even lay that first stone down because it's a it's a helpless, hopeless thing. And we get our eyes on the big, the bigness of it, the bigness of the problem instead of our eyes on Jesus, and we get overwhelmed and intimidated by the voice of the enemy. And so, you can imagine when it's all been crumbled down, that the enemies of God have taken over, destroyed everything, and it's time to rebuild and. Take that first stone and that first brick and lay it down. Don't just, that's why God said, don't despise the day of small beginnings. We're going to begin somewhere. It won't be an immediate wall, it won't be an immediate temple, but it's going to, it's going to be the beginning of something. It's scary. It's unimpressive. It's one brick and so much had to be done. But it was a faithful brick that was laid to me, one at a time. And one brick led to another brick, led to another brick, until the finished work. This is the theme of Scripture. This is the encouragement of Scripture. This is why Jesus gives us this parable to call us to a life of faithful obedience in the small things. Put down the first stone. Take the first step up the mountain. Stop looking at how big the mountain is and get your eyes on Jesus and take the first step because what we do is we, we just get focused and we give up. It's too hard. So we just sit down. So let's take the first step instead of looking at fear. Don't despise small beginnings. Because when, when we start laying that down, we do our part and God does His part. He's always faithful. You know, David didn't just wake up one day, have a victorious experience with Goliath and was anointed king, right? Where do we find him? We're told for years he faithfully tended his father's feet, obeying his dad. When no one was looking, all of his brothers, they, they're off at war at one time, and he's the only one. He's the youngest kid at home. He's faithfully tending his father's feet. He's out worshiping God when no one's looking. Playing his harp and singing for sheep. But the Lord saw. That's why the Lord said, I see his heart. He's a man after my heart because I, I saw him way before. It was, it, he didn't just walk into the victory with God. He didn't just walk into kingship. He was faithful. Faithfulness leads us to winning battles. Faithfulness leads us into walking in the purpose that God has for us. Obeying and worshiping when no one was around, and notice that he didn't usurp. He didn't when he, he didn't usurp his authority. He didn't take advantage when when God when, when, when the prophet Samuel anointed him as king. It would be later on that he would become king. Well, he didn't go around arrogant saying, "Well, I was anointed king, so Saul, you're not you're not." Gonna, he did not. He never usurped Saul's authority, even when he worked with Saul. And Saul was going to kill him. I won't touch God's anointed one. I'm going to just be faithful until God moved me. Ruth didn't just wake up one day and get married to Boaz and have the course of her life altered by God and be blessed with his children and godly inheritance. It didn't just happen. And here her lineage was a godless lineage, the Moabites. Here's what she was faithful to her former mother-in-law. Her husband had died so she lived with Naomi and she faithfully started working in the fields and God saw her when no one else did. God saw her and her faithfulness and her life was changed. The course of her life changed. 
Daniel didn't just come into a position of leadership and favor that, that he ended up in. We're told that he was going to rule for years faithfully. He says, pray to God three times a day. I'm going to seek God and pray to God. And God saw him. He wasn't trying to pray in front of people. He wasn't trying to impress people. He wanted his relationship with God and God saw him. He was faithful with small things. He will now be put in charge of greater things. John Wooden, the great basketball coach from UCLA, who won 10 NCAA championships. For you non-sports people, that's a lot. He won seven consecutive. He has a quote. He said, it's the little things that are vital. Little things make big things happen. So he, had the, he understood the principle. Although it was in basketball, he understood it was a very godly principle. So a lot of times you can, you can just focus on trying to do the big things instead of going to do those little things over and over and over. We're going to protect the little things. That's why we see athletes or musicians, and we see them perform like in the Olympics, and you just you just see that one time or on the field or on the court. You just you just see that it's game time, and that's why the crowd can turn on game time, and you see them do these amazing feats of athleticism or, or music. The different things that people can do musically. And we just see the concert or we see the day. What we don't see is the, the thousands of hours that are put in day by day when no one's looking. Day by day, the, the small things, the small things, the small things. We just get to see them perform on the big stage. Well, it didn't just start on the didn't wake up one day. I, I would love to just wake up one day and be an Olympic gold medalist. Wouldn't anybody else? Wouldn't it be great? I think I can do you say revolt? No. It's the little things that make a big difference. So he saw the, you know, Coach Woody saw the success of the, the, the accumulation of doing the faith of small things that led to great things. Small adjustments that make a big difference in our lives. You guys have heard this quote before, but it says, Thoughts become words, words become actions, actions become habits, and habits become my destiny. But it begins with that first grip, it begins with that first step. We focus on those one things, a few things. It's interesting that phrase one thing is throughout Scripture. Jesus said to Martha, remember when he goes to Mary and Martha, they were, they were friends of his last week, to Mary and Martha, they were two sisters and a brother, and he would go to their home. And one time he goes, and Mary is sitting at his feet listening, and Martha is anxiously working to prepare a meal, trying to you know, get things done. And this is not a crash on Martha. Some of you guys are Martha's, and that's great. And you're called to be a Martha. This story is not answered by Martha's. Okay? Some people are just doers, and they, but what what had happened is she got to the point of where it was anxious. Well, there's a difference. Sometimes you get there's joy in the work, and there's what you're called to do. But here's Mary sitting at her feet, and Martha is just busy and busy, and busy. she's getting more irritated by the stuff. You read the story, and and finally she doesn't didn't even want to speak to her sister. They, they, you know, they lived together, they got along, but she said, "Jesus, can you tell her to help me?" Like, you know, ever since he walked in, you've just been sitting in the seat listening to everything he says. Why don't you get up and do some dishes? Cook something. And Jesus just said, 
to, to Marvin's kid. It's one thing. One thing is needed. So Mary's found it. She's got the right priority. She's spending time with me. She's found it. She's not anxiously working, but she's sitting at my feet. Paul says, that one, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, and I talked about that last week. One thing. He said, I'm going to focus on one thing. That's what Jesus Focus on one thing, Mark. Focus on being with me. Let everything flow out of that. Paul says, I'm going to focus on this one thing. I'm going to forget what lies behind because you know what? Probably at the time, he's really wrestling with his past. He had a lot of shame. The enemy probably came at him with a lot of guilt. I mean, he used to help round up Christians and have an execute. That'd be a little bit of stain on your past, right? And he said, I'm going to focus on one thing, the one thing I'm going to forget what lies behind me, press on to what God has for me. I'm going to press on to the purposes of God and I'm going to forget the shame and the guilt of the past and then Christ said, we don't have to worry about that. See, other religions, what is it? Because the past always haunts you and you're always going forward trying to do a little bit better to balance out all of that. And Jesus said, I can wipe the past out. I can redeem your future. Come with me. I can, you can forget what lies behind and you know, can't have a memory erased. But Jesus says, in, in me that you have new life. You don't have to live in your shame anymore. One thing I do, if anyone is behind Christ, some David says, one thing I desire, one thing I seek is to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What is he saying? I just want to be done. He's the most important thing to me. In one place he said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than a dwell in a sense of wickedness. And here he was the king. Why would he say that? He said, my, my identity is not being king. I could give it or take it. My identity is in Him. That's why it's not, your identity is not in the big things. Your identity is in Him. So I'd rather be a doorkeeper. I'd, I'd be fine to be a doorkeeper in the house of God if I could just be with Him. Jesus said to the rich young ruler, one thing you lack. Sell all your possessions, give it to the poor, and come follow me. He was inviting him to a mission. So your, your, your money has consumed your heart. It has become your idol that you worship. One thing. Focus on that one thing. It's the small things that lead to great fruit. So what's the one small thing that the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us? Maybe it's that one word of encouragement. Have you ever received a word of encouragement? Anybody here? Somebody just gave you a word of encouragement? What did that mean to you? It's huge. And so you understand what it feels like to give, give it to others. Sometimes it's your spouse, your children, the ones that are closest to you. But other people, that one word of encouragement, think of what it means. Do it for someone else. Be obedient. Because as you lay that brick, it can lead to a lifestyle where you are a person that's known to give words of encouragement. Instead of being a person that, you know, that maybe grumbles and complains about everything in your life, all of a sudden, that person just encourages everybody they come in contact with. But they laid that brick way back then. That one apology can mend a relationship. It can save a marriage. It can heal a wound. Probably... Among the most powerful words in the English language is I'm sorry, forgive me. Out of sincerity. 
instead of getting caught. So, you know, when your kids do that. Hey, did you? I'm sorry. Doesn't mean as much. But a sincere apology can heal. I mean, there's power in that. That one small thing you can mend a relationship. Be obedient. Do it over and over. You're then you're also a person that you live in repentance. You see that maybe something's not right, and so you you make that right. I'm, I'm sorry, you forgive me. That doesn't mean that you're trying to apologize things for things that you didn't do. But if the Lord puts that on your heart, there's things that you need to make right that you're obedient to. Them. Maybe once daily, read the Word and pray. If you haven't had a habit of doing that, lay that risk. Start, start, you got to start somewhere. Don't despise the day of small beginning, even for it to, if it's a short time. I've talked to so many people that feel so guilty that they don't. I, mean, I just I don't read enough of the Bible. So do you read? And yeah, I read pretty much daily. But hallelujah! I pray a little bit. Thank you, Jesus. Keep doing that. God's not up there going, you know, you give me three hours. Don't even stop it. He's pleased with our faithfulness. Begin to lay that, even if it's a small portion of Scripture. You know, I said last week, you know, get in that habit, I'll read the one-year Bible. That's not for everyone. I talked to some people that just said, oh, I just think the one-year Bible is just a burden. And we're all wired differently. I like it. It's, it's just an easy way for it, but I'm not going to put that on you. But, but start somewhere. That prayer, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, three hours of prayer, four hours of prayer. It can just be where you begin your day or somewhere in the day where you just carve out a little time. Lord, I just want to spend a little time. I want, I, I want to wish with you. I want to thank you for everything you've done. Lord, I want to be right in right relationship with you. I want to pray for those that are around me. It becomes a habit, but start really first with it. That one new discipline. Maybe he is taking care of yourself. And I heard this guy say this was really good. He said, you know, whatever, whatever, like a weight loss goal. It's like, I need to lose 50 pounds. He said, no, you don't. You need to lose one pound at a time. Isn't that good? The mountain is 50 pounds. I'll never do it. Forget it. I give up. So you, you don't need to. You need to lose one pound at a time. And you just lay that faithful breath down. Changing your eating habits. Checking your attitude. Maybe it's a, a discipline of changing your attitude. Attitude, you know, I talked about Maxwell's book, Attitude 101. He just get into the idea. And then that can be encouraging instead of grumbling. I'm going to hold, I'm going to hold on, I'm not going to do it. Maybe you were raised in, 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 in and around your home where there was a lot of bitterness and grumbling and complaining. It was just easy. It's just easy to do. And it's like, I'm going to, I'm not going to do that. Instead, I'm going to pause and maybe pray about it. It's one new discipline. Maybe start giving to the church, giving to others, serving someone. Lay down the first grip. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Hear the words of Jesus who says, Well done, good and faithful servant, you are faithful in the small things. Isn't that awesome? When we stand before him, he, he's not going to say, you, you know, why didn't you fill up stadiums? You were faithful in the small things, in those little things I saw when no one was looking. 
you to stay focused on the small things. Please stay with me. Jesus, once again, thank you for speaking your word. Your word is life. Your word is truth. And Lord, again, we stand together today. Lord, as we did last week, we do this week. We say, God, 2017 is yours. We dedicate it to you. We give it to you. Lord, we pray that every day would be ordained of you. That, Lord, we would walk with you daily. That we would walk with you in faithfulness and obedience in the small things that you call us to each and every day. And Holy Spirit, we're asking that you would give us the power to be able to do it. It's not by might, not by our human willpower, but it's by my Spirit, that's the Lord. And so Holy Spirit, we're asking for your supernatural word, your supernatural power to help us each day. And that Lord, in those days that we feel overwhelmed, that you would lead us to the rock that is higher than us. Lord, when we maybe fall and we fail, that we would get back up and we wouldn't stay defeated. We would not listen to the voice of the enemy that says, stay down. There's no way you'll ever do it. You will always be uh, part of your past and past. We can forget what lies behind you. We can focus on what you have for us in Jesus. Lord, I pray that each one of us, whatever you spoke today, or maybe it was one little thing, the one thing, maybe it's one thing you spoke to each other, that we would grab hold of that, and we would begin to lay those books one at a time in our lives, to faithfully walk with you, to faithfully follow you. But we love you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Next week is Vision Sunday. I encourage you to come out for that. Thanks again for being here.